happy Friday, friends. Welcome to the end of the week and to today's episode of Enough for Today for April the 22nd. We are in Psalm 41. We're going to pick it up in verse 3 today. And um, one of my goals, not, not, not only to get through the Psalms, not only to encourage you for 10 minutes every day, um, but one of my goals in this is that you, that together we would learn how to process the Bible, that we would learn how to open God's Word and study it uh, with a good hermeneutic. That's the word, okay? Hermeneutic, which is a technical term for the rules, the way you come at the Bible, okay? So we come at the Bible as God's inspired word, that it is true, that it is preserved, that it is alive and powerful. These are all the things the Bible says about itself. The truest hermeneutic to studying the Bible is summarized this way. How do we let the Bible speak for itself? So the goal of biblical hermeneutics is you never impose uh, your, your own liberal bias or agenda on Scripture. You never impose um, a secular framework on Scripture, a faithless framework. You never impose your imagination in an authoritative way or your mystical view. You don't come to it trying to extrapolate uh, or insert your own uh, meaning, okay? You come to it humbly. You come under it, and you seek to understand what is God saying, okay? And there's a whole world involved in that, but as long as you have a subservient view, the Bible speaks to me, I don't force it. I don't force a meaning on it or from it, okay? So what... One of the ways you do that is you, you, you kind of go at it as God, as a, with a dual authorship. There's the, there's the divine author, God, and then there's the human author, okay? And in this case, that's David. And, and then God's revelation, God's truth is a progressive revelation from Genesis to Revelation, okay? So we have more understanding of truth by the time we get through the narrative to the book of Acts than David had when he wrote this psalm or than Moses had when he penned Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. David had more at Psalms than Moses had. So there was the progressive revealing of God, God revealing himself to his people through what we call the redemptive historical narrative. Now, I don't want to get lost in the weeds of the academics, but I just want you to understand whenever you're reading scripture, like right now we're reading Old Testament poetry, there's really four fields of view. Um, this is much like um, uh, a telescope. If there were four distances that you could adjust, okay, the nearest field view would be sitting with David alone at whatever stage of life he was with a scroll um, as he's pinning these words, okay? That's the nearest field of view, and that's kind of where you start. You start with the human author and the human author's immediate context and circumstances to the degree that you can understand them, which we can't always understand those comprehensively, but we can get an understanding, we can get a framework. So that's the nearest field of view. We have a man walking with God privately, penning his thoughts, journaling his thoughts into a poem and a song. Then if we zoom the telescope out one more field, the next field of view would be that this became a song for Hebrew people. It wasn't a song that would have existed before David, obviously. 
but it was a song that found its way into Israel's Psalter, songbook, hymn book. So you have a nation of people worshiping God, raising their children to sing these songs, okay? So these are the songs, to bring it into a 21st century vernacular, that they sang in Sunday school and in church services and and in the Hebrew worship of God's people. So this is how people learned about their God after David, okay? For hundreds of years, Jesus would have grown up learning this song, singing this song, learning um, about even who he was by way of this psalm, okay? The third field view of Scripture, if we zoom the telescope out one more, the third field of view in this context is um, Christ, okay? So we see David as the human author in his circumstances. We see Israel as the immediate audience using this to worship and learn about God and teach their children about God. But then we, we ask, where does the text picture, point to, or um, foreshadow Jesus? How does it lead up to Jesus? In this case, this is very nearly a messianic psalm. A variety of reasons, Jesus quotes it. It foreshadows Jesus' betrayal by Judas. But really, Jesus is the man who does these things perfectly on my behalf and who all of these promises are fulfilled in and through for me. So really, this text is a foreshadowing of God being all of these things for me and accomplishing all of these things for me. So that's the third field of view. And the fourth field of view, okay, when you get all the way out, all the way extended in the tele... Well, no, I'm going to give you a fifth in a minute. The fourth field of view is this psalm now comes thousands of years forward to me. And it is now God's word to me. Through David, through his work in the story of the nation of Israel, through the Messiah, the suffering servant, Jesus, my Savior, to me today. So these are very practical truths, very practical realities that I can apply to my life today, just as David did, just as Israel did, just as Jesus fulfilled for me. But now I've got a fuller view that Jesus has accomplished all this for me, and he's accomplishing it in me. And here's the fifth field of view, okay? And that's where we extend the telescope all the way out into the future, and that is what God has yet to do. So there's a near field fulfillment of God's going to preserve and deliver and keep me alive. But then there's the ultimate fulfillment of the coming kingdom, new heavens, new earth, the reigning Savior and King of Kings, Jesus, forever and ever and ever in a new kingdom, and it will never end. So that's the ultimate fulfillment of these promises. Now, my friend, I've just given you about seven minutes of a biblical study of hermeneutics, okay? How to read the Old Testament. And, and in this case, Old Testament poetry. Um, but it gives you this full view um, of Scripture and, and how it doesn't just pertain to me today, but it just literally envelops me. This, the God's story of time, God's biblical, redemptive, historical narrative that I'm a part of, it just enlarges the whole idea of what's going on in a psalm like this. Now with that, Let's read the first four verses, and I gotta, I gotta land this plane and send you into your day. Blessed is he that considereth the poor. The Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive, and he shall be blessed upon the earth. And thou wilt not deliver him under the will of his enemies. Now you can take every verse we just read, push it through every 
one of those five fields of view and it's going to fill in and become this huge, beautiful tapestry of truth. But look at verse 3. The Lord will strengthen him upon the bed of languishing. Thou wilt make all his bed in his sickness. Powerful verse there. Verse 4, I said, Lord, be merciful unto me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against thee. Let's unfold verse 10 for about a minute. The Lord will strengthen him upon the bed of languishing. So, we are going to have times where we're on the bed of languishing. It's a part of life. It's a part of the fallen condition. We talked about that yesterday, okay? The bed of languishing, physically, emotionally, spiritually. Uh, In the world you shall have tribulations, Jesus said, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. So God says, you're going to have a bed of languishing, but if you're mine, if you're, you're the object of my grace and mercy, if you're trusting in my Savior and my solution for the fallen condition, then you can rest in this. I will strengthen you on your bed of languishing. Don't you see it, my friend? I will strengthen you. I'm going to sustain you. It's, I, I like to tell people that are going through trials this. It's day by day. Forget planning next week. Forget planning next month. Forget thinking about tomorrow. Just get through today. One day at a time. But sometimes it's one minute at a time, and it's one hour at a time, and it's one portion of a day at a time. In other words, you don't have to think about this afternoon, you think about right now. You don't have to think about tomorrow morning, you think about right now. And God's going to strengthen you upon your bed of languishing, and then he's going to make that bed. He is going to be your bed, he's going to sustain you in that bed, and one day he's going to get you out of that bed. He's going to make that bed, he's going to heal you of your sicknesses. And that's going to lead us into verse 4. And we're not talking about just physical. We're talking about all the fallen condition, okay? We are physically sick. I'm physically sick right now, and I can't get rid of this. So pray for my voice because I thought I was getting better last week, and boom, it's right back. Post-Easter, I got this throat thing and this chest thing right back again. Um, But that's a sidebar. God is going to heal our fallen condition, Uh, our physical, our emotional, our psychological, our spiritual condition, is fallen before him, he's going to strengthen us in it, um, deliver us from it, and be merciful to us. And so that's going to take us through verse 3. We're going to pick it up in verse 4 on Monday. My friend, you have been written today into a massive story of redemption. So trust your Redeemer, and wherever God leads you today, walk with him and know he's with you and he's writing a beautiful story in your life. Happy Friday. Join us this weekend. We'll see you Monday.